1 John 1 through 3. From the very first day we were there, taking it all in, we heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in most somber prose that what we witnessed was incredibly this, the infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so that you can experience it along with us, this experience of communion with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. Our motive for writing is simply this. We want you to enjoy this too. Your joy will double our joy. This, in essence, is the message we heard from Christ and are passing on to you. God is light, pure light. There's not a trace of darkness in Him. If we claim that we experience a shared life with Him and continue to stumble around in the dark, we're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living what we claim. But if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we also experience a shared life with one another. As the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's Son, purges all our sin. If we claim that we're free of sin, we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like it is nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, make a clean breast of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim that we've never sinned, we are out and out contradicting God, making a liar out of Him. A claim like that only shows off our ignorance of God. I write this, dear children, to guide you out of sin. But if anyone does sin, we have a priest friend in the presence of the Father, Jesus Christ, righteous Jesus. When He served as a sacrifice for our sins, He solved the sin problem for good, not only ours, but the whole world's. Here's how we can be sure that we know God in the right way. Keep his commandments. If someone claims, I know him well, but doesn't keep his commandments, he's obviously a liar. His life doesn't match his words. But the one who keeps God's word is the person in whom we see God's mature love. This is the only way to be sure we're in God. Anyone who claims to be intimate with God ought to live the same kind of life that Jesus lived. My dear friends, I'm not writing anything new here. This is the old oldest commandment in the book, and you've known it from day one. It's always been implicit in the message you've heard. On the other hand, perhaps it is new, freshly minted as it is in both Christ and you, the darkness on its way out and the true light already blazing. Anyone who claims to live in God's light and hates a brother or sister is still in the dark. It's the person who loves brother and sister who dwells in God's light and doesn't block the light from others. But whoever hates is still in the dark, stumbling around in the dark, doesn't know which end is up, blinded by the darkness. I remind you, my dear children, your sins are forgiven in Jesus' name. You veterans were in on the ground floor and know the one who started all this. You newcomers have won a big victory over the evil one. And a second reminder, dear children, you know the Father from personal experience. You veterans know the one who started it all, and you newcomers, such vitality and strength. God's word is so steady in you. Your fellowship with God enables you to gain a victory over the evil one. Don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love of the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. It just isolates you from Him. The world and all its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out, but whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. Children, time is just about up. You heard that the Antichrist is coming. 
well, they're all over the place. Antichrists everywhere you look. That's how we know that we're close to the end. They left us, but they were never really with us. If they have been, they, wouldn't, they would have stuck it out with us, loyal to the end. In leaving, they showed their true colors, showed they never did belong. But you belong. The Holy One anointed you, and you all know it. I haven't been writing this to tell you something you don't know, but to confirm the truth you do know, and to remind you that the truth doesn't breed lies. So who is lying here? It's the person who denies that Jesus is the divine Christ. That's who. This is what makes an antichrist. Denying the Father, denying the Son. No one who denies the Son has any part with the Father, but affirming the Son is an embrace of the Father as well. Stay with what you heard from the beginning, the original message. Let it sink into your life. If what you heard from the beginning lives deeply in you, you will live deeply in both Son and Father. This is exactly what Christ promised, eternal life, real life. I've written to warn you about those who are trying to deceive you, but they're no match for what is embedded deeply within you. Christ's anointing, no less. You don't need any of their so-called teaching. Christ's anointing teaches you the truth on everything you need to know about yourself and Him. Uncontaminated by a single lie, live deeply in what you were taught. And now, children, stay with Christ, live deeply in Him. Then we'll be ready for Him when He appears, ready to receive Him with open arms, with no cause for red-faced guilt or lame excuses when He arrives. Once you're convinced that He is right and righteous, you'll recognize that all who practice righteousness are God's true children. What marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We are called children of God. And that's who we really are. That's also why the world doesn't recognize us or take us seriously, because it has no idea who He is or what He's up to. But friends, that's exactly who we are, children of God. And that's only the beginning. Who knows how we'll end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly revealed, we'll see Him, and in seeing Him, become like Him. All of us who look forward to His coming stay ready, with the glistening purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. All who indulge in sinful life are dangerously lawless, for sin is a major disruption of God's order. Surely you know that Christ showed up in order to get rid of sin. There's no sin in Him, and sin is not a part of His program. No one who lives deeply in Christ makes a practice of sin. None of those who do practice sin have taken a good look at Christ. They've gotten him all backwards. So, my dear children, don't let anyone divert you from the truth. It's the person who acts right who is right, just as we see it lived out in our righteousness, Messiah. Those who make a practice of sin are straight from the devil, the pioneer in the practice of sin. The Son of God entered the scene to abolish the devil's ways. People conceived and brought into life by God don't make a practice of sin. How could they? God's seed is deep within them, making them who they are. It's not in the nature of the God-begotten to practice and parade sin. Here's how you tell the difference between God's children and the devil's children. The one who won't practice righteous ways isn't from God, nor is the one who won't love brother or sister. A simple test. For this is the original message we heard, we should love each other. We must not be like Cain, who joined the evil one and then killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because he was deep in the practice of evil, while the acts of his brother were righteous. So don't be surprised, friends, when the world hates you. This has been going on for a long time. The way we know we've been transferred from death to life is that we love our brothers and sisters. Anyone who doesn't love is as good as dead. Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. 
and you know very well that eternal life and murder don't go together. This is how we've come to understand and experience love. Christ sacrificed his life for us. That is why we ought to live sacrificially for our fellow believers and not just be out for ourselves. If you see some brother or sister in need and have the means to do something about it but turn a cold shoulder and do nothing, what happens to God's love? It disappears, and you made it disappear. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. And friends, once that's taken care of and we're no longer accusing or condemning ourselves, we're bold and free before God. We're able to stretch our hands out and receive what we asked for because we're doing what he said, doing what pleases him. Again, this is God's command to believe in his personally named son, Jesus Christ. He told us to love each other in line with the original command. And we keep his commands because we live deeply and surely in him and he lives in us. And this is how we experience his deep and abiding presence in us by the spirit he gave us. Well, we have moved to John and we will read 1 John. Um, here over the next couple days and finish it. It's just a short book. And I think my favorite section of this scripture is one that kind of pops in there unexpectedly. Um, John is talking about how you can differentiate between believers and just that, you know, those who believe in Jesus, there's no longer practicing sin. And I think sometimes we can be very, um, read that in a very negative light. Like, well, we all sin, so does that mean I'm not in Christ? But he continues to say those who practice sin, those who practice sin. And every time he defines sin, he says it's all about loving brother and sister. And it really sounds funny, like, oh, that's all I have to do. But it is so difficult to love other people and to sacrificially love them and put them first. And one thing I think is um, really amazing about this section is when he says, Let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're truly living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there is something to it. And so I think John sensing that loving brothers and sisters is a huge calling. And we are going to be self-critical. We're going to, and that may even debilitate us, meaning that we think, forget it. This is never going to happen. I can't love everybody. Every day I set out to do it, I mess up. And John is assuring us that yes, you will. And he also reminds us that it's a practice. Practicing sin is the same as practicing love in that it is a practice. Someone who sins is not someone who is practicing at it. There are, there is no way to be perfect. But there is a way to change our nature so that it bothers us when we sin and we're trying to love. And I think that's what John's saying, that continual resetting of our mind, starting out the day realizing that we are grateful for being forgiven of all the things we messed up the day before. And today I'm going to practice love as opposed to practicing sin. And it's that mindset of 
practicing at it, working at it, striving for it, and knowing that you won't be perfect, but putting real time and effort and heart into trying to live the way that Jesus asked us to by loving other people.